want to welcome you uh, this morning to Heart of the Father Ministry. Here on Resurrection Sunday, uh, we want to uh, just continue to invite you to uh, enter into God's presence that is here, is moving all throughout the congregation. Uh, my name is Jeremiah. I founded the church here, an elder, and uh, it's a, an honor and a privilege to help steward uh, what God is doing here. So many gifted, talented folks. Who enjoyed the choir this morning? Was that great? <clears throat> I know many of you know that Allison had her baby boy uh, this past week, and her and Brandon are at home recovering, and so thank you for your, your prayers there. Um, if you did come this morning uh, prepared to be baptized, we want to go ahead and release you to get changed now, and so that will help uh, after the message. And maybe you're here uh, dressed in your Easter best, and we're going to baptize you in your clothes. That's okay, too. Uh, that happens every year as well. So um, if you've already been talked to about baptism, we'll go ahead and uh, release you. And um, we will have baptisms. And um, I am praying that this is our last Easter Sunday ever that we will have to baptize anyone in these pools. Most of you know there is a wonderful, beautiful baptismal over in the chapel, which is our last piece. Uh, we have completed the renovation except for the chapel with the beautiful baptismal. So I am declaring by faith that we will never baptize anyone again in this pool. <clears throat> that next Easter Sunday we'll be in the chapel and uh, we'll be able to enjoy uh, this great gift that God has given us. Amen. Well, the text for this morning is going to be found in John chapter 20. If you'll turn there with me, John chapter 20 and chapter 21. The title of my message this morning is called, It is the Lord. And as I wrote on social media uh, last night, uh, many of us preachers who preach the resurrection sermon every Sunday, every year, I know for me, I read the accounts about 20 times through and familiarize myself with them. I read commentaries, I pray, but my prophetic nature, I'm always asking God for maybe a different perspective, a different insight. Lord, would you just reveal your heart uh, for those of us who are here this morning? Uh, I know that many people could have chosen any church that they could have walked into to hear an Easter message. And so I want to pray now and just ask that the Holy Spirit would minister to each heart in this room according to what he's laid on my heart, this message called, It Is the Lord. And so would you just bow your heads with me, and we're just going to invite God to meet us right here, right now, on Resurrection Sunday in 2019. So, Father, we bring before you our minds and our hearts, our lives, our families, our friends. And God, we know, Lord, that you have rose from the dead. Lord, I believe that most people in this room would confess they believe you died and rose again. But God, I'm asking, Lord, that the power of your resurrection would be made manifest here. That there would be a living, active vibrancy that would mark our lives today. In your name I pray, amen, amen. I love on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, to read you some quotes 
of um, men and women that have walked throughout the history of time and made comments about the resurrection. C.S. Lewis, he said, The New Testament writers speak as if Christ's achievement in rising from the dead was the first event of its kind in the whole story of the universe. He is the first fruits, the pioneer of life. He has forced open a door that has been locked since the death of the first man. He has met, fought, defeated the king of death. Everything is different now because he has done so. John Piper, to preach Christianity to the apostles was primarily to preach the resurrection. In other words, here we are gathered on Resurrection Sunday, hearing a message on the resurrection, but to the apostles to preach Christianity was to preach the resurrection. The resurrection is the central theme in every Christian sermon reported in the book of Acts. The resurrection and its implications were the gospel or good news which the Christians brought. Timothy Keller, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. But if he did not rise from the dead, then why worry about anything he said? If Jesus Christ rose from the dead, then you have to accept everything that he said. But if he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about anything that he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not on whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. Brennan Manning, for me, the most radical demand of Christian faith lies in summoning the courage to say yes to the present risenness of Jesus Christ. N.T. Wright, the great Greek scholar. Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. That, after all, is what the Lord's Prayer is really all about. And then finally, my favorite, a guy most of us young people have never heard of, Warren Worsby. Does anybody remember him? Listen to what he says, and then we'll get to the text. Too many Christians are betweeners. They are trapped between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. Believing the cross but never entering into the power and glory of the resurrection. It is clear that a believer cannot deliberately live in sin because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The believer has died to the old life and been raised in Christ to enjoy a new life. The believer does not want to go back into sin anymore then Lazarus wanted to go back into the tomb dressed again in grave clothes. 
just feel like closing right now. I encourage you to go back and read what these men have declared about the resurrection so powerful. Okay, are you there? John chapter 20. We're going to look at three encounters that the disciples had with Jesus after he rose from the dead. I mentioned that this Easter Sunday, I pray that God might give me a fresh perspective for us to ponder and meditate on today. And what God really began to minister to me is the redemption of God, that we serve a God of second chances that we serve a God of mercy and grace. We serve a God, one of the things that the Lord said to me is that the resurrection has not only come to save sinners, but it has come to recommission disciples who have laid down their calling. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is not only here this morning to save some of you, out of your life of sin. But there are far more, I believe, in this room, disciples of Christ who have laid down your calling, that voice inside of your heart that tells you to keep going. For whatever reason you have laid it down, I want to tell you that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And what we're about to read is He is about to give His disciples A second chance. I don't know about you, but this week I wept in my office, even in tune with my own need for a second chance. I don't know about you, but I'm not where I want to be in God. I had lunch with Barry, one of our elders, this week, and we just looked at each other and said, we've got to get the fire again. Lord, if you'll just touch me again. There's no one in here that's too far away from the mercy and grace of the Lord. This whole backstory of John 20, Jesus appearing to his disciples, saints, and a couple of chapters before here, we don't have time this morning, but these are the men, the, the women that he came to, he called, he walked with, he poured out his life. There are things recorded in the scriptures of the miracles and the persecution that scripture tells us. There's stories that we'll never even know in the word. He came, he poured, he invested, he gave his life. And then as Judas betrays him in his most difficult hour, these men and women left him. Maybe it didn't turn out the way that they thought it would. Maybe you've turned away from the Lord. Maybe you've laid down the call because something happened in your life that you didn't plan. Maybe there was a tragedy. Maybe there was an offense. Maybe there was a rejection that sought to detour you, to distract you away from the 
plan of God. That Jesus Christ, He rose from the dead and He comes back to these men. Now, I don't know about you, but after I would have deserted someone who I knew and loved, I would have expected them to be angry. In fact, I probably would have avoided them. I know that there are often offenses and difficult situations in Christianity where you get into it with somebody and you need a break from them, right? You, you try to avoid them at all costs. I can't imagine what it would have been like to be one of the disciples, even Peter, denying the Lord three times. Can you imagine the guilt and shame? What you feel on your bed at night in the dark knowing that you're not where you need to be with the Lord. What it's like in your car when there's no music on and it's just you and God and all you hear is the voice of the devil telling you what a loser you are, telling you that you'll never have another chance. And then Jesus gets up. See, because he got up, you can get up. Because he overcame death, he gives us the privilege to overcome death. See, saints, here this morning, I don't know if you've heard the news in Sri Lanka. Saints gathered just like us, and so far the death tolls up to 200. Six churches were bombed in that nation. Strategic attacks on Christians celebrating the resurrection. You'll hear about it in the news today. But I just wonder how you're feeling about this. I wonder if you're sensing the moment here. What a privilege, what an honor, what an awe that you and I can gather to talk about our risen Lord free from the fear of death. But I wonder if you and I knew that there'd be a bombing here today, would you still come? Because I grieve for those families in Sri Lanka. But you know what? Because I know my Bible, I rejoice in the blood of the martyrs. A couple of us, that's okay. The Holy Spirit's working on us. But what if even martyrdom wasn't a nightmare, it was a dream? Because we've encountered him like that. I've been to the garden tomb. I've been to the church of the Holy Sepulchre, the two sites in Israel now seven times. I've sat in the tomb. I've wept. I've had my life changed. I'm, I'm not here today to convince you that Jesus Christ is alive. I've seen him. He's appeared to me on three different occasions. Call me a heretic or a false prophet but I will not deny my encounters with the Lord, both in Israel and in my bedroom. This Jesus whom we have crucified, He is alive and He is coming again. And there will be persecution. There will be hard times. There will be moments in your life where you'll feel like running, where the voice of the devil will become louder than the voice of God. But I pray that as we read the text this morning, you will be encouraged that if anyone could have taken the disciples to task 
about where were you guys when I needed you. If anyone could have come to them, quite frankly, as I read the, the text this week, I probably would have slapped my bros. I would have come back and said, dude, here I am. Let me slap you upside the head for abandoning me. I mean, some of us know the sting of rejection. You know the sting of abandonment that this great Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, what he extends to his disciples is mercy. What he extends to them is grace. Amen. John chapter 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Now, depending on what gospel you're reading from, there are a couple of different ones. Now, I don't believe that the gospels contradict one another. Rather, when they tell stories, each gospel writer is shedding a little bit of a different perspective or light giving us the full picture. So we know in different accounts, one said there was an earthquake. One said that there was an angel. Even another said there was two. All we know is that there was a supernatural event that surrounded the stone being rolled away. And Mary Magdalene is the first one there. It's interesting when she comes up to Peter, the apostles, and she's telling them. Now, remember, Jesus had told the disciples on multiple occasions, I am going to die and I'm going to rise again. There are people in this room that Jesus Christ has told you your destiny. He has prophesied it to you through men and women. He has confirmed it time and time again. It's a wonder, it's stunning that Jesus, in fact, does what he said that he's going to do. And Mary shows up and then she runs to the apostles and says, they have taken his body. Now I've dug a little deeper into the Greek and I want to help you understand what's happening now right outside the tomb. The Greek actually reads that they received the words from Mary as idle words, as babbling, as delusional. They think she's out of her mind. They think that she's gone cuckoo crazy. But all of a sudden... Verse 3, Peter therefore went forth and the other disciple as they were going to the tomb. Again, let me help us by giving us some of the original language. It says that Peter and John, they went forth. Here's how it reads in the Greek. Before she was done talking, they were out of there. 
I mean, they took off into a sprint. But I don't want you to forget what must have rested on them. The guilt, the shame, the condemnation. We denied the Lord. What do you think he's going to say to us? Will he even care to look us in the eyes? Will he be ashamed? Will he even just recognize our names? No, Peter and John, they get into a full-on sprint. The moment that they heard, we can't find his body. Boom, they went. Their feet were moving before the conversation ended. And then they get into a sprint. We know historically Peter's the older man, John's the young teenager, and we know who wins that sprint. Somebody say amen, even though sometimes older men think they're faster. The two were running together. The other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter. They came to the tomb first. Verse 5, and stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Now, Jewish custom, we have to understand, burial places were sacred. In fact, it was not in their custom to walk up to get around the dead or to touch the dead. So you have to understand the zeal and the passion. John's out in first. He gets there, but when he gets there, he just settles to peek in the tomb, and he sees the linen. Peter, the older, probably more heavier guy, he's trying to get there, and he's slow. But when he gets to the tomb, he doesn't settle for peering in. He walks right up in that bad boy. Again, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but there are some young men in here. You were once zealous for the Lord. You had a passion. You had a desire. You were running hard after God. And you have stopped short of fully going into the tomb. What do you mean? You have stopped short from fully encountering the resurrected Lord. I'm sorry. I've been messed up all week. And there are some old men in here late bloomer, slow, taking you a while to get around, but I'm here to prophesy to you today, you might be late to the party, but you ain't seen anything yet. Come on, somebody needs that word. It's not too late. It's not too late. It's not too late. They get into the tomb and they see here the linen wrappings. Now again, let me help you. I just feel like I'm a narrator today. They see the linen wrappings. What's that about? The Greek reads, and we have to understand, it's the same linen wrappings they recognize that Joseph of Arimathea put on Jesus. So what they're starting to realize is this. If his body was stolen, they would have taken the linen wrapping too because it was expensive. I want you to track with me. 
they look in. John's just kind of peering and Peter just busts up in there. And what they're looking at is they're seeing the, the expensive linen wrapping. Because remember, Mary told them someone has taken his body. Because they're still on search for, is Jesus really going to do what he said he's going to do? Are his promises Really, yes and amen. Can he be trusted? As some of you are asking in your own life. They see the linens and they're like, oh my gosh, if it was a robber, they would have stolen the linens too. But the linens are here. It can't be robbers. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb entered then also, and he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away to their own homes. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked in the tomb. And she beheld two angels in white, sitting one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. But when she had said this, she turned around and beheld Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in, in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Some of you in here today, you're lost. You might be lost living a life of sin and compromise. Maybe you've said a prayer early on in your life and you're even feeling in this place today, I've not really fully surrendered my life to the Lord. You could be in here today and you're a disciple of Jesus, but you have to and you need to and you're desperate to hear his voice as we're walking around through life, can you just imagine going throughout your day and just hearing Will, Emery, Jack. I mean, just there was, Lord, let the light bulb come on in my life. Mary. Because we're all on a search. We're all on a journey. We're, we're, we're looking for that sense of satisfaction. We're, we're, we're desiring. It's like when Barry and I got together this week. We're just sitting there aching and yearning, saying, we've got to have the fire. Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me, verse 17. For I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers, the disciples, and say to them, 
I ascend to my Father and your Father, and my God and your God. So significant his words right here, because again, he's trying to teach them. Pray in this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus Christ came to the earth. He shed his blood at Calvary. He rose again. He came to reveal the Father to us. He came to welcome us into a family where he really is our elder brother. C.S. Lewis said that the Son of God became a son of man so that the sons of men could become sons of God. I'm going to my Father and your Father, our Father. Jesus is saying, Mary, I paid the price. I cross through the veil. I'm not only the way, I made a way. I'm not only the door, I have forced open a door that can never be closed again. The precious blood of Jesus was shed at Calvary. He died, he rose again to forever shut the devil up. He has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And he's saying, Mary, it's me, it's finished. But just don't stop at the cross. Enter into the power of my resurrection. Don't settle for just thinking of Jesus on a tree. Enter into my joy. Enter into my abundant life. Mary, I'll be more patient with you than anyone you've ever met. See, I've been struck this week by the patience of Jesus. I've been saying, Lord, I'm, forgive me. I just get tired of people not getting it. And the kindness of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to walk her through her journey, this maze that she appears to be in, and all he has to do is say, Mary, I've paid the price. I've crossed over. I ascend to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Go tell my brothers I'm back. A couple of points that I want to give you here on this first encounter as we move into the second. Number one, when we've had a supernatural encounter with the Lord, we don't always have words, but don't let you don't let that don't let it stop you from sharing what happened. When we've had a supernatural encounter with the Lord, we don't always have words, but don't let that stop you from sharing it. I want to honor Mary in this story, not worship her. She has a supernatural encounter where she stumbles upon the tomb being empty, and as I told you, they literally think she's cuckoo. She's babbling. She's, it's like she had just seen a ghost. 
But it was something about what she said that caused two men to take off running before she even stopped. See, there is the supernatural power of God. There are encounters. There are experiences that you have had that maybe you don't have words for. But if you'll ask God for the courage to speak them out, you can begin to trigger people to pursue the Lord even if you don't yet have language for what it is that's happened to you. Oh, if I'll just get through it, then I can share about it. No, I'm telling you, you need to share about it while you're going through it. I feel the Holy Spirit saying right now, some of you, I've called you to minister out of the wound. Because the wound is where the anointing of the Holy Spirit is from. When you walk with a limp, when the Holy Spirit has dug a cavity inside of you, when you begin to preach from that place, I believe the Lord is raising up men and women that are going to stop preaching out of gifting, that are going to stop preaching out of talent, and start preaching out of the limp. Because the limp is where the anointing of the Holy Spirit is from. And Mary shows up and she doesn't know what's happened. Her mind has been blown. But she says, guys, something has happened. And they took off running before they could even hear her stop preaching. Three of us are awake. We've been teaching in Maranatha School of Ministry about Azusa Street, about William Seymour, the founder of Pentecostalism, the Assembly of God. This was an African-American man who had the gift of hunger for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in fire. He heard it taught by Charles Parham. And this man believed the word of God even though he didn't see it. William Seymour preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit in fire by evidence of tongues for two and a half years before he caught the tongue. The devil is a liar. Oh, you, you got to get through it. Oh, you got to know it. Oh, you got to master it before you can share it with someone else. Baloney. In the midst of the trial, in the midst of the circumstance, in the midst of getting kicked down, because he got up, you can get up. Because Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead, there's power and there's might available today. Does anybody have a pulse here today? Is anybody grateful for the mercy and the grace, the kindness of the Lord Jesus, that he that knew no sin became sin, that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? I'm about to go down to the church of God. Man, I miss those meetings where the unction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit falls and people take off running around the church before the preacher is even done. Why are they running? There's some things that can't be taught but caught. Yeah. 
there's something locked up in many of you this morning that has to come out. But I'm reading this story saying, thank you, God. I'm thinking to myself, what an idiot, me. I would have walked up in there with a two by four and started beating them all over the head saying, listen, dummies. I did what I said I was going to do and you abandoned me. That's not the Lord. Praise God. I had a revelation of my own self-righteousness this week. I had to get down on my knees and say, oh God, I'm being too hard on the people. I'm being too hard on myself. If you came back and gave them a second chance, Lord, forgive me for not giving other people a second chance. telling you the Holy Spirit is resting right here right now God I just ask Lord for every supernatural encounter that you've given us that we don't have words for God let it bubble up even if it's just a, a little of this and a little of that we're trusting that your anointing will rest on it and you'll use it for your glory God, I thank you for every person in here that's walking with a limp right now. God, we just begin to say, for your glory, for your glory, for your glory, we will not give the devil credit for anything in our lives. We declare that what he meant for evil, God, you will use for our good. Number two, I'm trying to hurry. I'm not a very good Easter speaker. <laughs> Trying to. Number two, it is simply a fact that if you want to experience Jesus Christ and his power, you must get up from where you're at and start moving. Listen, Mary came to all the apostles. But only two of them decided to take off running. Where were the other ten? Where were the other ladies that were, were around? If you're hungry, if you're thirsty, if you're saying, man, I'm not where I need to be. I want to tell you today, today is your day. You don't necessarily have to run down to an altar. I'm telling you to run to the throne of God. There's a realm of hunger and desire that says, I'm not missing out on what God is doing in this generation. I'm not going to sit on the sidelines and watch God pour out His Spirit in my city, in this nation, and just sit on my hands. God, I'm not doing it. I preached up in Minnesota last weekend. We Flew into two feet of snow and 10 degrees. I was miserable. The people that went with me loved it. I said, "What? Well, it's April, please. I just got out of the pool. Met a woman that drove 11 and a half hours in a blizzard. Saint, she starts driving somewhere in North Dakota and all the roads are shut down. She pulls into a gas station. Some guy just appears out of nowhere and says, take this road. She drives four hours on this road in a blizzard. A single woman, 65 years old, through the blizzard, gets back on the highway, shows up to the meeting and gets her miracle. 
We worshiped there last Sunday. It was a church that was a quarter of the size, maybe 50 people. Listen to me. I couldn't even hear the worship team at all because the hunger in the crowd literally drowned out the worship team. I literally thought that the floor was going to fall out underneath the church. I thought this is Azusa Street where the front porch just busts wide open. But I'm sitting there saying, Lord, your presence, your power, your might, your authority is being made manifest. Because men and women said, you know what? I'm not going to let a blizzard keeping me from getting my inheritance. I'm not going to let excuses or family members keep me from that tomb. I've got to get to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And no one is going to stop me from getting there. Lord, let hunger and faith be released in this atmosphere. And then thirdly, Jesus not only made a way, he is the way. He not only opened a door, he is the door. There's only one way to the Father. He paid a price that you and I couldn't pay. And I'm so glad today that he got up out of that tomb. So you and I can get out of ours today. I don't know what the tomb is. Shame, guilt, condemnation. Running from our calling. You feel like a bad mom, a bad father, a poor husband. I'm telling you because he got up, you can get up. Verse 19. When therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut. Where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Listen, you might have just hooped and hollered about hunger and desire. And I, I believe that. I've given my life to it. But here's the thing too. God comes even for those who aren't hungry. I'm just so grateful for the grace of God that came in those hungry seasons where I sacrificed. But I'm equally as grateful for his grace come and I wasn't even pursuing it. Oh, what a God. It wasn't enough just to say, all right, Peter and John, you get the golden ticket, boys, because you were the hungry, zealous ones who were on fire. He said, no, I've got to come for the rest of my boys. And he shows up and he says, peace be with you. Again, I'm wondering, and now they're thinking, oh, God, I didn't go to the tomb. Another check. See, people in here this morning, you feel like God has 68 checks on you. Wrong, 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 missed, 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 failure, failure, failure. And the Lord Jesus shows up and he says, peace be with you. I'm telling you, the Lord Jesus Christ is here today. For many of you that are running from your calling, some of you might not even be with the Lord. And he's saying, I've come to bring peace to your storm. Listen, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself. Lord, I need your fire again. 
When he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples therefore rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus therefore said to them, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me. Now I send you. Verse 24, But Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So you not only have these guys that are hungry for the Lord, that he shows himself to, then he even comes for maybe the, the rest of the crew who they really wanted to believe. But then there's this guy named Thomas. He's even further away. Some of you today, you're Thomas. And the Lord's coming for you too. He's coming to answer your doubts and your fears. You can run from him, but you can't hide. And his grace and his mercy is available to you every day that you wake up. David said, surely goodness and mercy, the Hebrew says, are tracking me down into very distant days. God, we thank you that your love and your mercy are tracking us down into very distant days. I'm telling you, some of you, it's not about your pursuit of him that's going to change things. It's his pursuit of you that's going to change things. Thank you, Lord. The other disciples were saying to Thomas, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I shall see. See, Thomas is here that's saying, unless I see him, I'm never believing. And after eight days again, his disciples were inside. Thomas shows up. Jesus came. The doors having been shut, stood in their midst and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, reach here your finger and see my hands and reach your hand. And put into my side, and be not unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who do not see me, and yet have believed. And I believe for some of you, God is going to reveal himself to you like you're asking that there could be a Thomas or two in here where the Lord is asking you I want you to trust me in this season the third and final encounter and we'll close my favorite of the three John 21 after these things Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias and he manifested himself in this way. There were together Simon, Thomas, and then all the boys. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will also come with you. They went out and got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. 
It's true that we are creatures of habit. That we go back to what we know. Isn't it amazing that Jesus walks with them all those years? He's appeared to them now twice. And all of a sudden, even twice isn't good enough. Lord, I feel so convicted in my heart that I've been going to church all my life. And you've, you've, you've made it so abundantly clear what your will is. I mean, some of us in here, it's like, how many more sermons do we have to hear? How, how, how many more times do we need to be told the same thing over and over and over again? And now Jesus has appeared twice. And rather than saying, all right, Lord, you're alive. We're ready to continue what you started. They say, let's go back to fishing. Let's just go back to what we knew before shaking came. I want to tell you that in our days of greatest shaking, what we really know to be true is what we will fall back on. I deeply sensed in my heart preparing for who God would send here today that some of you have gone through significant shaking. There are things that you did not plan for. There are things that have happened in life that maybe there won't be another answer. And you're finding yourself going back to whatever it is that you went back to. I don't know if it's alcohol. I don't know if it's just vegging out, video gaming, whatever that it is. But I want to tell you and I would encourage you that once again here in John 21, Jesus shows up to his boys. When the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus therefore said to them, children, boys, you got any fish? Jesus comes to you today and says, I'm not here to take you to task. I'm not here to yell at you. I'm not here to berate you. And you How's that working for you? Jesus is coming this morning asking some of you, how's that working for you? Going back to everything that you think that you know, and really if you'll get to know me, everything will change. You don't have any fish, do you? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will find a catch. They cast their four, and they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. That disciple, therefore, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. The title of this morning's message. And so when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, here they go again, the contest. He put on his outer garment, threw himself into the sea. I can't imagine how fast he was swimming. Another chance! 
Lord, if you just give me one more chance, if you just touch me one more time, God, my marriage, my life, my business, my ministry, Lord, if you just give me one more chance, If you just show me one more time that you got out of that tomb, I'll get out of mine. Lord, I give you one more Easter service. I don't know what you've told the Lord. I don't know what negotiations you're trying right now. I don't know what ultimatums that you're trying to give him right now. But I'm here to tell you, this great God, this Lord Jesus Christ, who died, who rose again... He's on the shore of your life right now looking in. And he's saying, how's it working for you? And let me tell you, if it's not working out for you, there's an invitation today to get out of your boat. To come be with him. It's my altar call today. Get out of your boat. Get out of the routine. I've been asking the Lord all week, what do I title the sermon? I said, call it, it is the Lord. And I said to the Lord, how, how did John know? It is the Lord. How they, they caught nothing all night. And then this, some dude from the shore says, yeah, throw it to the other side. They do. There's like this massive catch. How did John, again, that light bulb went off and just said, it's the Lord. The Lord said to me, the reason why John knew it was me is because John had a revelation of what they could do in their own strength. Versus what they could do in his. The Lord said to me. For does my word not say. What is impossible with men. Is possible with God. It is the Lord. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me. This morning. God is here, God is speaking, I believe that there are some here this morning that God has come to save you from your sins, from a lifestyle that's outside of what you know God's word teaches, 
Maybe you're in your own boat. You're paddling as far away from the Lord as you can. And Jesus is right here today saying, I came, I died, I rose again, and I'm right outside the boat. You might be scared, you might be fearful, you might have doubts, but I'm here with you right now to help you to walk outside. I just even hear God saying, for one, it's, it's time to come out of that closet of shame and guilt and condemnation. Holy Spirit, I just invite you to begin to do your work right now. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never repented of your sins and turned away from them, the Bible says that Jesus came that we might have life and life abundantly. I want to tell you that repentance brings refreshing. For the second group that's here, I believe that there are many, many here today that need to know that the resurrection not only saves sinners, but it recommissions disciples who have laid down their callings. Maybe you're here today and you've been walking with the Lord for a number of years and maybe even you're serving in some way, but you know in your heart, Lord, if I just had one more touch. God, I need your mercy and your grace today again. God, would you just come in? I want to pray for you if you're in either one of those groups. If you're in that first group today and you would say, today is my day of salvation. I've heard about this Lord Jesus Christ, that he came, he died, he rose again. That he's here to extend his mercy and his grace to me. I'm choosing to get out of my boat. And walk with him the rest of my days. If that's anybody in here, I just want to ask you to stand right now. God, it looks like we've got a house full of saved people. I rejoice with that, but I mourn. For surely there's someone in here with a call. Surely there's someone in here that has the call of Christ to go out and make disciples. Father, I pray now for that second group, and Lord, maybe that's all of us. Maybe you brought us here on Resurrection Sunday. It says, I'm here to recommission you. I'm here to reignite the flame. I'm here for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I've brought you this far, and I'm not going to leave you behind. 
Now, God, we just declare in faith that nothing will stand in our way of destiny. We face every hindrance, every obstacle that could be standing in our way. Lord, we thank you that because you got up, we can get up. Some people in here right now, you've been knocked down. And the Lord says, out of the wound that you're experiencing is where my anointing is. If you're in that second group and you feel like this message has been for you, I want to ask you to stand. God, only you know we're so good at faking people out. I've had people in my life try to tell me I was walking in God's will and I knew in my heart I wasn't. God, I pray right now in this room that you would reveal exactly, exactly where you're calling us to. God, I pray for waves of the mercy and the grace of God. Jesus, we thank you for second chances. You even gave the disciples a third one. God, I pray, Father, for alignment. I pray for every person in this room that you would begin to fan the flame in them now. Father, I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would cause a bubbling up inside of them. Let's just take two minutes and just call upon the name of the Lord. God, we're believing for our brothers and sisters that whatever is locked up in them would come forth. Lord, let rivers of living water begin to flow out of their innermost being. God, I pray that you would kiss us with the gift of travail. God, would you kiss us with an anointing to give birth to what you've spoken? Come on, some things can't be taught. They've got to be caught. Lord, I ask that you would help us to catch what the Holy Spirit is saying. Speak forth in Jesus' name to your family to your friends, to your boss at work. We thank you for deliverance that's in the house today. Come on, just one more minute. Come on, don't worry. Everybody said they're saved. So we don't have to worry about tongues. We don't have to worry about prophecy. Everybody said they're saved. So let's just go in. Let's press in now. Holy Spirit, we pray for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit in fire. Lord, we pray that you would thrust forth laborers into the harvest field. Lord, we pray for a burden. We pray for an urgency. We pray for a divine tension. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you begin to press us down, that you begin to shake things in our lives, Lord. We ask, let oil come forth. Let oil come forth. Let oil come forth. There's men and women arising in this nation with oil in their lamps. Lord, let the anointing of the Holy Spirit come forth.
Come on, give me two more minutes. If you feel the fire of God, come on, stand to your feet. And let's begin to pray. Let's begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Come on, the same power that broke into that tomb can break into your tomb today. The same resurrection power that raised the Lord of glory from the dead can raise you today. Jesus! Jesus! We call you forth, Lazarus. We call you forth, Lazarus. We call forth a generation of Lazarus from the dead. We call you from your tomb. We call you from your shame. We call you from your miscarriage. We call you from your alcoholism. We call you out of those suicidal thoughts. And we say you will rise. Arise and shine, my people, for your light has come and my glory is here to save and deliver and set you free. Come on, come on, come on. It's okay to act saved. It's okay to act delivered. It's okay to act like Jesus really did rise from the dead. Come on, saints. Come on, saints. Come on, people get more wild at football games than they do at church. People are more passionate about their video games than they are about Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. There's only one God who raised from the dead. Come out of that tomb. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, I'm coming for the Lazaruses in this room. If you're stuck in a tomb, I want you to get down to this altar right now. If you're stuck in a tomb, I want you to get down to this altar right now, and we're going to pray you through. Come on, some of you are stuck. You're trapped right now, and we're going to birth you through into your destiny. Come on, come on. Don't come for me. Come for him. Only he can touch you. I'm telling you, there's fresh baptisms of the Holy Spirit in fire. There's freedom from sickness and disease. The Lord's going to reignite the callings. He's going to reignite the passions.
Come on, I'm ready to jump in that pool. Come on. Art, if you're feeling led to pray, I don't usually do this. I just want you to come forward. The Lord is burning you to pray for these people. I want you to come forward. Come on, there's some of you right now that the Lord is going to use to help push people through to their destiny. That's why you're here today. Come on, there's people all over the altar. I don't care if this is your first time. Welcome to the body of Christ. Come on, come on. Just take five minutes and then we'll do baptisms. Come on, in Jesus' name. If you're not up here, I just want you to pray. I want you to pray like it's your son or daughter. Lord, let this day be the day. Come on, come on. I'm telling you, the presence of Jesus tastes better than the turkey. The presence of Jesus tastes better than the ham. Just give him a couple of minutes and let him do his thing today. on just lift your voice to the Lord we're just creating a chamber of encounter Lord let every life be touched let no one leave here the same God come and revive me come and refresh me Come on, press in.
Come on, call upon the name of the Lord for your family. Call upon the name of the Lord for your friends. going to continue worshiping. If you're going to be baptized, why don't you come over to the pool over here. If you're in the altars, don't move. Just stay stay in the altars. If you're here to be baptized, let's go ahead and line up over here. I love this. We're being baptized. We're being healed. We're being delivered. We're being set free. If you Wherever you're at, just stay right there and keep pressing in. Keep ministering. But if you're here to be baptized, some of our pastors will move over to the pool If you can't see, come on up. If you can't see, come on up. The moms need to get their babies. The two to five-year-olds are up here. If you can't, you want to see the baptisms, come on up. You want prayer, come on up.
Now, before we get started, I, I have a feeling that there's going to be more people that want to get baptized than what signed up on the sign-up sheet. That's okay. We have some extra towels, some shirts, things like that. If you want to do that, those that are still praying in the altars, go ahead and keep praying. We have people that have come today that they want to be baptized. And what this is, is we die to ourselves and then we're raised to life. And for these that have chosen to be baptized, they're done with the old life, and they want a new life. And so that new life is available to them as they come up out of the water. The old is done away, and it is new. And so that's what we're doing here. For those of you that are not familiar, that's what we're doing. Okay? Okay, so those of you that are getting baptized, if you're a young adult, come, come stand right here with me before you get into the pool. For the rest of you in the room that, that want to see, you can make your way and adjust yourself, whatever, it's fine. Okay, so first of all, I want you to give your name, first and last name. I'm Elijah Clow. And have you given your life to Christ? Yes, sir. And you're ready for a new life. Yeah, yeah, I am. Amen. Okay, go ahead and go ahead. Are you next? <laughs> okay, and then... Next we have Brianna Osborne. Have you given your life to Christ? Yes, I have. You ready for a new life? Yes. <laughs> Amen. Go ahead. Are you next? Yes, sir. Okay. your name? Jacob Fleming. Have you given your life to Christ? Yes, sir. You want to live for him? Yes, sir. Amen. Any other? Any other young adults? What's your name? Ricardo Jones. You giving your life to Christ? Yes, sir. Ready to be baptized? Oh, yeah. Amen. Let me take these. Just leave it.
And what's your name? Uh, Christy Ortiz. You giving your life to Christ? Yes, sir. You ready to live for him 100%? Yeah, yeah of course. Amen. is your name? Sonia Dresser. Have you given your heart to Christ? Yes. You ready to be baptized? Yes. Amen. There you go. Are you going to get baptized? Okay. You're next. Okay, tell us your name. Brindley Caps. You ready to get baptized? Yes. Have you given your heart to Christ? Yes. Amen. Come on in. Okay. Are you getting baptized? Okay. Okay, and what's your name? Bentley Massey. Have you given your heart to Christ? Yes. You ready to get baptized? Yes. What's your name? Jacob Sunnick. Have you accepted Jesus into your heart? Yes. You ready to get baptized? Okay. Any more children getting baptized? Any more children getting baptized? Turn around here. Okay. And what is your name? My name is Jeff Hedberg Thomas. Have you given your heart to Christ? Yes, I have. You ready to get baptized? Yes, I am. Okay. All right, keep walk forward. Anyone else want to get baptized? New life. 
New life, the old is gone. All things new. Anyone else? You miss anybody? No? Can we just bring that down just a minute? Will you grab the hand of the person next to you? We want to thank you for coming today. I mean, you're grateful for a God of second chances. Amen. Pray that you have a great time with your family today and a, a powerful resurrection week. Um, just again, if this is your church home, there is no service on Wednesday in preparation for our conference coming up this weekend. Love to have you there. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for everything that you've done today and even what you did 2,000 years ago. And we just thank you, God, for your mercy and your grace. Lord, thank you that you've recommissioned disciples today, that there's a fire, there's a passion, there's a touch. Lord, show us, even this week, how we can steward what you're doing. Lord, we thank you for the salvations today. God, we thank you for those, Lord, who have called upon your name and you've heard them. Lord, we just ask that you would bless each person, every family, every marriage, every individual in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. amen. God bless you all. Have a great Sunday.